We entered into a handshake agreement because we were buddies. The relationship soured, we weren't paid, and we had to go small claims to collect that money. Just remember that you're human and not to get sucked into that black hole of loneliness and despair. Choose not to live in a world of filters. Realize your mistakes. Set the foundation for your success. Get some wins. Knucklehead Podcast. Welcome to another edition of Knucklehead Podcast. This is the Knucklehead Steven, uh, and I've got with me today somebody who's seasoned uh, in all things digital. And so let me preface this by saying, get your mind out of the gutter. Those of you who are listening, we're not talking about that type of digital in today's world. We're talking about digital from a standpoint of video creation, content, content creation. Content, content. I like, I, I want to say video, you know, just because I think of video, I'm looking at a video. I'm, I'm, my son is watching a video in the other room. My wife's literally on a video conference call over there. So I think video, it's an element to uh, content creation, but you know, he's going to correct me. He's going to correct me. Justin, Mr. Sherlatich, we've got you on the show. The director of content at Knucklehead. I mean, he literally is the the lifeblood, the glue between the the seams, the <laughs> the uh, the bricks. You know how bricks in a house, how stable it can be. It's it's the mortar between the bricks. That's Justin. Justin literally oh, is. Go ahead. I'm sticky and gelatinous, and I, I hold things together well. Is that what you're telling me? Again, as everybody, we just talked about getting folks' minds out of the gutter. So you took them right back down there with you, Justin. Come on. Oh, I'm on the wrong podcast now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, well, yeah, gonna... Stephen, thanks for having me, man. And, and how awesome is it that uh, my first appearance on the show is, what, a week and a half, a, a week, uh, I don't know, maybe a couple of weeks, however long it's been since formally uh, becoming the director of content strategy here at Knucklehead? Yep. I, I'm thrilled. Yep. Uh, I'm ready. I'm hitting the ground running, man. Um, and as you said, content, content, content. And I know we we do focus on video because you and I connect all the time on video. I'm a huge proponent of video. I got my start in content creation through, you know, just editing and, and filmography and et cetera, you know, just the production side of video. Uh, but really, content strategy is much more than video, although video does play an integral part of that. Yeah, that's so that's honestly... Let's 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 dive right in because I think those those folks who are listening, you know, this is not a, a 24 minute ad for Knucklehead Media Group so much as it's a a 24 minute focus on the impact of screw ups, mistakes, and failure, and how that impacts the pursuit of success. Everybody who wakes up and puts their feet on the ground every single day, they consume information uh, for a bunch of different reasons. But the majority of folks that are out there in the day, in today's workaday world is as soon as their feet hits the floor, they have to figure out how to pay the bills. They have to figure out yeah. what they're doing on a day in a day, a day an hourly basis in some cases to to understand exactly how they're going to increase their bottom line increase the, uh, the top line for whatever company they work for. If it's their own, then they, they do, but they can keep more of those dollars and cents. So in today's information aids, in today's uh, digital world, how we consume information, somebody like you, who's who's kind of a, an architect behind uh, the strategy for a, a business, how do you, I mean, how do you delineate in your mind between how you consume content and maybe how, uh, I've heard it called persona or an avatar or an individual who you're trying to talk to, but how do you delineate between how you consume content and how somebody else does as you're going through the, the editing process? Well, you brought up a, a few different things there that I want to touch on. Uh, before we get too deep into the, the weeds, number one, 
success. You, you talked about the need to be successful and, and, and the, the stress of, of having to make that dollar, right? And I don't want to get too emotional and too deep for people on this podcast, but to stay sane in this solopreneur and, and small business world, we have to take small successes where we can get them. So I want every listener here just to remember, although we're talking big picture and we're talking big deals and, and you know, making good money, don't forget to take the small successes or else you're going to go crazy. And when we talk about some of my small failures and, and some of the missteps along the way, you're going to see how I, I, I went crazy. So it's a mindset thing. Um, but going back to the actual consumption of content and how to, as a business owner or as a part of a business, kind of differentiate between content I want to consume and content that my client or my, my, my avatar uh, would want to consume, it can be difficult, especially as, as the editor. Because as the editor, I want the content to reflect me what I want, what I want to see, what I want to hear. So really, market research is extremely important. Not necessarily market research in the traditional where you're going out, you got a white paper, you're looking at stats, etc. No, but just learning how your clients consume content, what content is engaging for them, what content causes engagements and conversions, what content are they listening to. And that stuff is as simple as sending an email blast or, or as simple as a a Zoom call, as simple as a, a conversation between friends where, hey, you know, what do you listen to? What have you been listening to the last couple of months? What are you watching? And then obviously we do have you know, traditional statistics and analytics where we can go through, you know, whether it's a Google dashboard showing uh, engagement rates for certain pieces of content, whether it's your YouTube analytics, uh, your social stats. And I'm not talking about the skin deep stats. And I, I can't think of the word that I want to use right now, but the, the likes and, and, you know, shares and the, the stats that don't really mean anything. We're talking about actual conversion rates, click throughs, landing page visits, et cetera. It's a combination of those things. So what I'm, what I'm hearing then is, is there's a distinct and concerted effort, uh, not just to get what I call get some wins, right? Mm -hmm. To be intentional and stop and give yourself an opportunity to, I don't want to say pat yourself on the back, but just get some wins. I mean, we talk about... Yeah, and actually you said a, a great word, being intentional. Sure. So what, I, what I've seen just it, you know over the years of doing this content creation is a lot of people, they want to do content creation. Maybe they've even educated themselves a little bit you know through online learning or, or whatever, but they're not very intentional with what they're doing. They kind of just, they're doing some form of content because you have to do some form of content, right? There, right. There's no purpose. There's no goal. There's no want. There's no need. There's no... Mm. And to me, if I'm not creating something with passion and intention, and, and then why is my audience going to engage with it if I don't even know why I'm engaging with it? Uh, so there has to be some purpose. There has to be some intention behind the actual piece of content. Mark Zuckerberg in the movie uh, Social Network, he talks, I mean, it was displayed in a scene where he was inspired. He was running through Harvard's campus there, literally threw something down whenever he heard somebody say, you know, I, I'm single now, or I, I got a girlfriend. And he, he ran all the way out of that classroom and across the, you know, I think he had, you know, shorts on or something like that and a sweatshirt, which imagine that in the tech community, right? But he's running through snow as he's doing that. And he finally gets in front of his computer, he types in some code, and he makes an adjustment to reflect what your relationship status is. And the original 
uh, version of, of Facebook. And I think that that's important and it's essentially integral to the point that we're bringing up here. Being intentional with your framework or the infrastructure around how you're building content or how you're putting a message out there in the marketplace allows people to take what is largely a concept and conceptualize with their own mind using the information that you display and that you put out there why they either need your product or why they need your service or why they would be interested in your product or service. Maybe not now, but at a future point in time where they need a similar product or service. It gives them the ability to uh, conceptualize the need for your product or service. And that's, and that's why being intentional. That's why being intentional is it can be very general and it's Mm -hmm. you hear it's talked about because it sounds neat. Here's another issue that I run into is there are some people, some clients, some business owners, or whatever, that are hyper focused on the conversion. They only want content that converts. They only want content that funnels a client, whatever, without realizing that social media, especially, is is a a relationship tool. So while yes, we want every piece of content to be engaging and and, and funnel someone towards a product or service or, or brand loyalty. There also needs to be some nurturing of the relationship there. So not every piece of content has to be sell, 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 sell. Some of it's going to be, let's massage this relationship a little bit. Let's uh, just share some value, share some information, build uh, a coalition, build an audience, build fans, You know, make people feel good about themselves, feel good about us. So yes, we need content that converts. We need stuff to sell. We need our brands to grow, our products to sell, our services to be purchased. But we also cannot neglect our, our audience. I mean, here we are, we're talking about audience and, and content, creating content specifically for an audience. And for most people, that audience is actually, they're not even thought about. They don't even know who the audience is because you're not taking the time to nurture these relationships that you're building. Great example, Knucklehead Podcast. If all Knucklehead Podcast did was sell Knucklehead Media Group services, people are going to stop listening. Nobody wants to listen to a 30-minute sales podcast every week. Uh, No, Knucklehead Podcast is about showing you how awesome Knucklehead Podcast and Knucklehead Media Group is, talking about some wins, showcasing and highlighting our amazing brand partners and businesses that we work with, and just showing you all of this value it's more than just sell, sell, sell. And I, I wanted to bring that up because it is such a problem. I know when I was uh, consulting and freelancing a lot more than I am now, 99% of my clients were, nope, I don't need anything else. I just need an ad that converts or I need a video that's going to funnel X amount of people to a, a page without actually having a cohesive strategy or any type of intent behind their social media and, and marketing strategy. Have you ever asked yourself why you haven't started a podcast? Well, I already know the reason. So do you. You don't feel like you're tech savvy. You don't feel like you got your message wired tight. And quite frankly, it's just, it's all this mystification going on. Quite frankly, uh, our process helps to demystify that. We're push button for podcasts. We're knucklehead. Why knucklehead? Well, we lead with the fact that you don't know what you're doing. We do. We've been there. We've actually been in your shoes. We take your spoken voice. We literally give a human voice to your website. You want to bring dead leads to life? Well, then you need to talk to Knucklehead. Essentially, what we're going to do is we're going to take you through our process and we're going to help take your human voice and increase the process for you going from dead leads to life. How do I, how do, I do that? Well, you essentially just take your human voice, put it in a directory, and let people consume more of you. Give your audience the ability to Netflix on you. 
they want to binge watch you, they want to binge listen, give them the ability to take your voice along on that commute with them. So you can get in touch with us, Steven at Knucklehead Podcasts, or if you've got a really cool story, stories at Knucklehead Podcasts. You can find us on LinkedIn and on Facebook at Knucklehead Promotions LLC and get in touch with us. Don't be a beta about the process. Don't let the fact that you don't know prevent you from getting some wins. So don't be a beta, get some wins and contact us today. See ya. Yeah, that's you. You touched on several things. One, you at one point in time used to run up and down uh, MCRD San Diego, and yeah, about a hundred pounds ago. Yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it's funny how that works, isn't it? Uh, as time passes and you know calories aren't burned, that's what happens. It's just it's just a byproduct. <laughs> it's a byproduct of time. So I I bring that to, to draw a clear distinction between the past and where you are at now. So it also means that your perspective, as it's been developed throughout your career. You know, think back to your early times as a as an entrepreneur, or even a uh, a consultant, or even working in a business. You know, can you think of a time where you know you needed an answer, you needed to have the answer, you were relied on to produce a result uh, that impacted the answer for that business, and it blew up in your face? And as you're thinking, I want to share one with you that I I remember talking with uh, somebody I used to work with, and you know, my faith is is something that's that that impacts the decisions that I that I make on a daily basis, and I. I just essentially wanted to communicate that I cared about this individual. I just said, God bless you. I just said something as benign as that to me. And the person at the time was very upset. You know, she said, you don't even know what that means. And, uh, you know, we had some differences in terms of where the direction of the business was going to. It just is what it is. But I say all that to say that sometimes you just, you don't know what somebody's going through. So you have the opportunity to, to be emotional in your reaction, right? Which in that instance, my, my faith is something that fuels a lot of what it is that I do, or, or at least helps me recognize that nobody's perfect, right? Uh, including myself. If anything, I give people opportunities to forgive me quite a bit because I screw up all the time. In this instance, this person, I could have been emotionally reactive to them, right? Because it's a, yeah. an emotional type thing. But certainly, they also just needed a little bit of space to, uh, to be upset. And that's okay, too. That happens in the workplace. Being able to be tactful, tactical, and appreciative of what's, of what's going on around you doesn't necessarily mean that everything's going to be you know, tiptoeing through the tulips and, and great. So can you think of a time, oh, Justin, where potentially gotta, you screwed up or something like that? Yeah. Oh, man. Can I think of a time? I'm screwed up daily. I'm only human, you know? But uh, And actually, to take it away from business just for a second, because I'm you know this esoteric blabbermouth sometimes, you said something really good there about being able to roll with the punches and not become emotionally reactive. And that's a sign of emotional intelligence. And I think as a society and just people in general, we need a bit more of that. I know in the day of, of Twitter and, and hot takes everywhere, you know, left and right, um, it's very easy to become tribal in the sense that we're me versus him, you versus her. And, and sometimes we just re- need to remember we're human. Sometimes we need space. Sometimes we need to just let something go. You know, we don't know what that other person's lived experience is. And just remember, we're all, we're all in this together. We're all trying to do the same thing. And that's just live, prosper you know, take care of our families and ourselves. So it's your quote of the day. Anyways, yeah, so I've screwed up a bunch. Let's talk about that. Uh, (laughs) My very first year in business. So I started a business because I, um, well, here, I'll just, let me go into my whole life story. for Yeah, let's let's do it real quick. Go ahead. Um, So obviously I, I was a Marine. We've talked about that, you know, 
uh, got out of the Marine Corps and I was lucky enough to, to fall into a position with the Social Security Administration here in San Diego. I spent almost a decade at the Social Security Administration doing you know, everything from giving out social security cards to helping people access their Medicare and disability benefits. Um, and I absolutely loved the job. I loved the people. Um, but there came a point where my wife and I, we just had our second child and one of us was working just to pay childcare. Now in, in the normal, you know, past, uh, the woman would quit work. She'd stay home with the kids. Uh, but my wife's a nurse. She's killing it, making great money. And we get healthcare through her nursing job. So I got to stay home with the kids. About six months after that, I was bored out of my mind. So I said, I had to do something, right? Ergo, start a business like every other veteran on the planet. And my very first mistake was obviously not researching enough because I approached one of our mutual connections, Greg Buddha. Greg Buddha, awesome dude. The Jewelry Republic is an amazing brand, makes all types of veteran merchandise. Check it out. But he needed some t-shirts done for a special promotion that he was doing. And, you know, it's stereotypical veteran fashion. I'm like, oh, I'm a t-shirt company now, you know? And so I designed a Make Jewelry Great Again t-shirt, sent him a bunch of samples in Thailand. And I thought I was killing it. I thought they were amazing. Greg is such a kind and gentle guy because he knows like he's my first real client sends me an email. Hey, we need to chat. You know, we get on the phone and he's like, dude, this sucks. <laughs> like the design's great, but these, the shirt quality is horrid. The vinyl stretching, like, you know, just nothing went right. And so I always thank Greg just for being completely honest and transparent with me. And it's an old Marine Corps adage, we adapt and overcome. So I, I started to rethink, do I really want to do this business thing? Do I really want to be in this apparel and promotional product market that, you know, I'm competing with China, plus a million other, you know, local brands that are doing the same exact thing. And, and Greg helped me find that my passion really was design. So it shifted from, okay, I'm not going to do these, these physical products anymore. Let me just do what I love design. It went from just normal graphic design work to, oh, you can edit video too? Oh, you know how to do that? Oh, you know, and so, you know, it just snowballed into, okay, now all of a sudden I'm a content creation company. And I was fortunate enough to spend a weekend while I was working at ESPN at a local event called Clever Talks we had here, which was a, a veteran-themed um, kind of small business entrepreneur event. We did a live broadcast over the weekend there. Uh, two days, just showcasing some of the businesses that were there and networking, you know, for me, it was a networking experience. And I got to meet a guy that I believe, you know, as well, Patrick Mudge. And um, Patrick and another gentleman, Jack Schoenberger. Uh, Jack was actually one of my very first mentors and business coaches. And he is uh, kind of the precipice or the jumping off point of moving from a, a physical product to digital media design, essentially. So I, I credit those two gentlemen, Jack just being there as a mentor and, and Patrick spending that weekend with me in San Diego as really guiding me to where I am now. I, I wouldn't be here without them. So yeah, that one misstep with Greg Buddha, you know, led me down a path because I was able to adapt and overcome these challenges to 
I'm at Harvard finishing up my master's in digital media design. I got to spend time at ESPN, got to spend time, you know, here at Knucklehead Media Group. I, I myself own two businesses, but that's not to say I, I'm uber successful. You know, again, we, we talked uh, earlier at the beginning about making sure you celebrate those small wins. All of those small wins stemming from that one misstep is leading to even bigger wins. So we're going to continue growing this. We're going to continue being successful. And, uh, I mean, let's talk about a recent mistake, a, a recent misstep. Uh, another one of our mutual connections, I won't put him on blast because it doesn't need to be said here. But, um, you know, we entered into a kind of a, a handshake agreement because we were buddies to do some content creation for his company and, and some clients um, as a white label. And uh, the relationship soured. Uh, we weren't paid. My, my company was not paid. And we had to go small claims to, to collect that money. So... I mean, there's a million takeaways from me rambling on for five minutes here. But really, um, it's just to remember that you're human and not to not to get sucked into that black hole of loneliness and despair that sometimes encapsulates you as an entrepreneur or a solopreneur. And just to remember, you got uh, you got some living to do. So make those mistakes, adapt and overcome and then get some wins. Yeah, we, I mean, we, we can, we can put taglines and, and, uh, creative ways to describe what it is that we're going through, uh, simply as just a way to, to get folks to stop scrolling. Right. And, and that's, and that's really what they're designed to do. Uh, when you talk about the, just the, the infrastructure and the design behind how these mobile applications work and the networks in which they perform on and how well they, they're optimized for the environment. You think about the words that you choose to use to describe your product or service and the impact of those words. They truly mean a lot, especially when those words are written down on a piece of paper, otherwise known as a contract, right? And so the, the strategy in which you go forth into the marketplace with your words and the emotions that you're able to derive through the description of your product or service and your targeted clients or users, that type of strategy and the design behind it, that's everything. When you literally look at the difference when people say, yeah, I just have an app. Well, okay. What, what does that mean? How's it different than all the other hundreds of thousands of apps that are out there? Yep. Uber, for instance, is just an app just like Glova is, right? The conferences app that can communicate. They both do the same thing. They just facilitate lines of communication, right? Well, then why is Uber valued at what it is and what was not? Right? Well, I think it, it goes back to something you mentioned earlier, which is intention. There has to be a, a focus, a strategy, a roadmap, a goal um, that we're intentionally following to to drive those market notches, those those KPIs, and those you know those goals we want to obtain. Yep, you're absolutely right. I don't, I don't want to land the plane, so to speak, and wrap on this because we've had kind of tranches uh, of attention focused on two things. One, kind of what what we're up to now, right? And the background in terms of what gave us the appreciation for where we're at now, right? Otherwise known as the past. I want to hear about when you're talking to businesses who are decision by committee, how do they interact with information, infographics, email, and all these different channels of content? How do they interact with it? And how does that play into your design? Well, three things. One, when you're dealing especially with a uh, vote by committee, you know, a, a, a corporate environment, you run into one, a problem. There's a lot of chefs in that kitchen. And two, not all the chefs consume social media the same way that you do or that their clients do. So step one is getting everyone on the same page and explaining how their client avatars or, or how their dream customer consumes content and to getting them to agree to 
you know, a, a value of social media. So if I'm a CEO and I don't use Twitter and I got some social media guy or some content strategist coming in and saying, we need to hit Twitter, you know, that's a speed bump. And so overcoming those speed bumps is probably priority number one, because they're not going to believe in something if they don't use it themselves. So getting them to believe in it because their consumers believe in it is step number one. Uh, step number two is just explaining the value of, of each channel. So we may not hit every single channel. And, and really, of course, now we're getting into, do they have the budget to hit every channel? I, you know, how many content creation uh, uh, funnels or, or channels are there for us to create content for? Beyond that, does a, a auto repair shop have a Pinterest page? Probably not. You know, do they need one? Probably not. But... They probably have a Facebook page. And while that's all in great, um, uh, last figures I saw about 70% of people on YouTube use YouTube specifically to solve problems. So can we build out a YouTube channel for that auto repair shop? That doesn't give away the secret sauce. We're not you know, giving their services away for free, but it's giving your consumers value and information enough to build some type of affinity, so to some you know loyalty and, and and appreciation that when they do need something that's beyond their capabilities or that's not available on YouTube, you're their go-to. Um, so again, I, I mean, I know I'm getting into the weeds here. So just overcoming those C-suite objections because of personal biases and personal, I guess, desires or, or, or likes is step number one, explaining the value of each channel and coming at them with a strategy that makes sense for their clients and their engagement and their services. Um, that's essentially how we do what we do. Well, I like the way that you, you know, talk about that because it creates opportunities to, to do two things. In order to optimize, you have to be able to measure something, right? In order mm -hmm. to do that. And so you, when you talk about having steps along the way, one of the things here at Knuckleway we like to do is lead people with tidbits, good information that they can use in order to actually go out and get better at certain things. So a good one that I that I found, one of my buddies who's been on the podcast before, he's actually talking with Black Rifle down there in San Antonio right now. He's talking about, he talked to me about a book called How to Measure Anything, right? And so, you know, understanding the intangibles uh, of what it is that you're working on how that impacts people's decision making. It's, 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 a, it's a very, very critical piece to getting better. Because when, when we talk about how do you improve, I think what a lot of folks get disenfranchised with is this buy my course to figure out how to get better. Or you know what, attend this yeah. event in order to figure out how to get better. And here's where the biggest challenge is. You referenced YouTube as, a, as just a learning catalog, right? Or otherwise known as an LMS to circumvent the process and, and what I participate or what I call is participating in micro learning opportunities, which is just consuming content in short snippets of time in order to iteratively get better at a bigger thing. And whatever that thing is actually carries weight in the marketplace, which means that each time they go to iteratively get better, they're actually increasing their market value as so long as they're measuring how effective they are at consuming that content, but then going and applying it. The going and applying it is the biggest challenge that you see out there in the marketplace. And I think that, yes. you know, as kind of content creators or folks that actually are agencies that work on behalf of organizations, they forget that these terms and these descriptors that we, that we, that we use to describe what it is that we're doing and why 
they're just confusing. They just don't make any sense. When you start talking about customer journey to somebody who's in sales, they think that you're going out on a walk, literally going out in taking one of your person, you know, handholding and, and they're like, forget that. I'm not going to do that with that person. Kidding me. I'm just trying to help them uh, get through the sales process and go from one stage to another. And, yep. you know, when you use vernacular that's specific to your industry, you actually create a lot of confusion, which there's a lot of people who they're very, very good at confusing you on purpose. And the well, there, there's a whole industry, like you said, of, of these, uh, I, I love the word esoteric. And so I use it often because there's, you know, snake oil salesmen that essentially, especially in, in a small business entrepreneur environment where they're like, hey, small business owner, you need my course, you know, and then really what they do is they spend three months just talking a lot and not showing you anything. And it's usually some large philosophical discussion that you know, doesn't really merit, uh, you know, the thousands of dollars you're spending on this course. But I think it, it goes back to something that I said in, in step number one with some of my content strategy stuff where it's overcoming those objections of people that don't know. So you had mentioned sales guy. Yeah, you start talking about content creation or, or any other, you know, the, the verbiage and vernacular that I would use as a content strategist. And they're going to look at me sideways. So you have to overcome that. I don't want to say uneducated opinion, but they just don't know. You know, that's not their thing. They're the CEO or they're the C, you know, CIO or whoever. These decision makers, you need to be able to overcome that. And, and it does, like you said, come down to being able to communicate those ideas properly. But uh, also touching back on step number two, we didn't talk really uh, about analytics and, and research enough uh, that we should. I mean, we could do a whole show on just analytics, but again, beyond just having the intent and that intention, there has to be data behind all of that. Like, I can intend to sell you the Taj Mahal. I don't own the Taj Mahal. So therefore, I cannot sell it to you. Like, we have to have evidence and data driven strategy and data driven results to then do number three, which is apply it all and actually be effective. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you're 100% right. Well, the idea behind what it is, is you're saying, and what we want to wrap this particular episode with is people not understanding uh, what their cost of lead acquisition is or cost, customer acquisition cost or, or the cost of a new account. All of those measurables that where a lot of marketers try to spend their time substantiating their value to a business, mm-hmm. they, that, that's all conversion talk. And I'm not, and I'm not stating that they're not valuable. My point is, is for instance, my wife tells me that she loves me, right? That's fantastic. I love that. If you're listening to this message and you have a relationship, there's, there's nothing like hearing that voice from the person that you care about the most telling you that they love you. But if they did that one time, you know, 10 years ago, and they expect that to carry with you throughout the entire 10 years, it starts to, you start to wonder. And so what you need is you need some milestones along the way to make sure that you're checking in back and forth and not necessarily to be as dogmatic and robotic or adhering to that particular process to always do that behavior. What I'm talking about is... Like I said, the... The, the way that I describe it is massaging or nurturing a relationship. And you, if my wife told me I love you 10 years ago and didn't tell me I love you, but kept asking for more and more stuff, kept trying to, you know, buy me a ring, buy me a house, buy me a car. And she's only told me I love you once. That's like putting out one piece of content for your audience and then saying, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. It just doesn't work. We have to treat our customers and our overall, you know, content strategy 
like a relationship. It really is relationship management. Almost all of business is like relationship management. When you boil it down to its essence, it's about beginning a relationship, nurturing that relationship, converting that relationship into a conversion, you know, whether that's a purchase or a, a you know, a service buy or whatever. I, I keep interrupting you, Stephen. I'm sorry, man. Go ahead. It's all good. It's all good. That's it. That's what I wanted to wrap with was, was that. So when I say that, what I mean is when it comes to your business, you understand that it, it started between your ears. It started between uh, as, a, as a good idea where, where you identified an opportunity. It's a skill set of an entrepreneur or somebody who's very skilled at, at growing and maturing a business. They identify opportunity and they try to mitigate the risk for that organization to thrive and grow uh, in that dynamic environment where challenges and opportunities exist. So my, my point is, is in today's digital world, how do you, how do you systematize creating interaction as a human using human language words and the way that we communicate to that digital experience right and so that's that's i just want to keep on coming back to that point of what's your plan how do you do that how do you connect with folks how at eight years old who essentially in 20 to 30 years they will orient how the decisions are made throughout this really in this in this world how, how do yeah, you gain future. relevancy how do you gain relevancy to those kiddos at the same time that you're you know that you're talking with folks that are 50 60 70 years old who still have weight in how decisions are made so yeah. i say all that to say that justin i'm excited that you know we have an opportunity to work together uh, i'm excited that you know that you're part of, of knucklehead media group a big part of it and then at the same time that we're we're working on some industry leading standards when it comes to this pretty little digital asset called a called a podcast and, and how does it become a, a flywheel, so to speak, for helping folks understand the role of that content and that message in business development or facilitating education internal of an organization. How does that podcast help? How does that podcast play a role? What's up, buddy? I want to leave everybody who's listening to this with two things. Number one, I hypothesize, and we talked about this earlier, with the media inflammation of the uh, coronavirus fear and kind of the mid-level panic that's already set in and we're only, what, a week into this thing, look for digital media in general, but specifically podcasts, views, listen time, etc., to skyrocket. So I want you to put a pin in that. If you're thinking about getting a podcast, if you don't have a podcast already or some form of digital media a consumable information channel, whether it be, you know, video, podcast, radio, etc. Now is the time. Secondly, industry leading, right? That's where our goal is. We're not following trends. We are the trend. We are the standard. And so being the director of content strategy, Stephen, I will be creating at least 25 pieces of content from this one episode. So put a pin in that. I want you to check back after this episode goes live and go through our channels and you're going to see all the various pieces of content that this one podcast could create for your business, all with different goals, all with different conversion metrics and engagement rates and intentions. But Stephen nailed it. This one piece, this, this one little flywheel, it, it's a, it's a stepping stone. You may think it's just a podcast and, and oh, it's just a podcast and what it's, oh, it's radio. No, no, no. This one thing is going to be at least 25 different pieces of content before what we're half an hour into this thing. And I'll have content oozing out of this for months. Do you need that content? I think you do. 
The answer is yes. So we'll answer the question for you. The answer is yes. So if you're listening and you're liking what you hear, cool. Fantastic. We love you. Slam that like button, right? Slam the subscribe, depending upon where you're consuming your content at. For those of you who are on Spotify, my suggestion is subscribe to us, right? If you're listening to us on Stitcher, God bless you. That's awesome. Uh, check us out on Facebook and on Twitter. But if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, what we need is we need some of your help. We need some reviews. And the reason why we need some of your reviews is a lot of what Justin talked about at the beginning is jumping into the mind of somebody who's listening to your material and your message. We want to know how we're wrong. And we also want to understand how did you feel when you made your first mistake when it came to business? Uh, whether you work for somebody else or you're doing this, you know, where you own essentially the whole process. I'm interested. What did you screw up? Where, where along the way, whenever Justin started talking about him staying at home as a as a man, where potential traditional values on how you look at certain things, how, how did you feel the first time you heard somebody tell that type of story? I'm interested. Why? Because it's relevant. How you feel and the words that you use to describe your feelings, that's exactly how somebody, how else is somebody else supposed to know what's going on between your ears? So each one of those three areas, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, if you're listening on Pandora podcast, fantastic. We're all over the place in terms of where you can find our show. But my question is, is I want to hear from you. So those reviews, go ahead and, and, and reference this show. Okay. Use the hashtag director in your review. So we know that you listen to this one, right? The director of content, Justin Sherlock, the show over here at Knucklehead Media Group. Anything else that you want to leave us with? You know, I love fighting with people on Twitter. Uh, so come and find me on Twitter. No, no, no I, I, I do not fight on Twitter. But Twitter is probably one of my favorite platforms now for engaging with the audience. So if you could just come and find me at Just Zerletich, you know, let me know you saw the episode. Congratulate me on the new position. And uh, maybe I'll give you, a, you know, some sneak peeks on what's coming next. Sounds like a plan. All right, buddy. We appreciate you guys. New episodes coming at you every Tuesday. We'll see you.